It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 26th of March. A bizarre, strange night in Salt Lake City. A bizarre, strange night in the NBA and a tragic injury. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and a look at all things Utah Jazz every single day in about 30 minutes or less. You can get the show on Himalaya. Have you checked out the brand new app, Himalaya? It's got great playlists and other aspects to it. They're doing some fun things over there, innovative, good, smart group of people. Himalaya, you can also get it on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Jazz. Uh, Kind of a weird, strange night in the arena last night. We'll talk about that. Rudy Gobert sets the dunk record. We'll touch on that. Uh, but we're going to lead the show with just two turn of events in the playoff picture that uh, one that's just sad and two that we didn't expect um, that I have huge impact, probably bigger than the Jazz beating the Phoenix Suns last night. So let's start there. Uh, today's show is brought to you by the Barbecue Pit Stop, by Murdoch Hyundai, and by Homie. So Memphis last night without Avery Bradley and without Mike Conley beat the Oklahoma City Thunder 115-103. to Paul George was 10 of 29. Russell Westbrook, who's been shooting a lot, only had seven assists. Boy, it does begin to really feel as though his assist number, uh, if you keep his assist number down and keep him shooting, that it hurts the Thunder. And Paul George who has been somewhat notorious in his career for having this singular bad month, is having it. Paul George is shooting 39% for the month of March, 35% from the field, uh, 26% from three, or 26 points per game. And he's done this at some point in every year. Last March he did it, he went 38-29. In 2016-17 he did it. He, in February, he shot 39-31. This has always been, at least in my opinion, the criticism of Paul George is that it was in December of the 15-16 season that there are these singular months when he suddenly is pedestrian, as great as he's been all season long. And for the Thunder, when Paul George is pedestrian, with Russell Westbrook and Dennis Schroeder's inefficiency, though Schroeder, I think, was okay last night. He was 9 of 14 for 25 points. He was great. They can't win. The Thunder beat the Utah Jazz on the first night back from All-Star break to go to 38-20 and 20 on the season. They had lost a weird game to New Orleans in their final game before the break. Prior to that, they'd been on this incredible win streak, which was Philadelphia-New York Portland, the Pelicans, Milwaukee, 
Orlando, Miami. They lost to Boston, beat Orlando, Memphis, Houston, Portland. I mean, they had beat some good teams. The criticism that I had given them that they had been feasting on the weakest teams in the league felt pretty shallow after they beat the Jazz in double overtime to go to 38-20 and 20 on the season. Since then, they have won five and lost 11. What's weird is the wins are good. They beat Portland in Portland. They beat Utah in Utah. They beat Brooklyn. And they beat Toronto in Toronto. And the losses aren't terrible. They've just played the opening schedule that the Jazz played. They lost to the Kings the night after the double overtime game. Two night, yeah, the night after. And then they lost to Denver, Philadelphia, San Antonio, Minnesota, the Clippers. These are good teams. Indiana, Golden State, Miami, and Memphis. So they're not terrible losses, but it's this, what it is is the Thunder suddenly have the schedule that the Jazz had to start the year, and, all, and they are now 5-11 and 11 in that stretch. And this is exactly what the Jazz experienced to open the year. And everyone and the Jazz at their worst were at 8-11. and 11. Which, excuse me, uh, which the Thunder very easily could just win their next three. I still look at the Thunder and anticipate that they put it together. From a Jazz standpoint, what just happened is if we win out, we now catch the Thunder. And it is hard to look at the way they're playing and not assume that they're going to lose another game. They had a 63 win percentage last night. In their last set of games, they had a 90%, 63 at 63, and they lost all of them. So they're one and five now in their last seven game in their last six games against teams where they where they've had a big win percentage. Now, they their their stretch here, I, I, I think they write this ship. They have an eighty one win percent against the Pacers, a seventy five six percent against the Nuggets, an eighty eight against Dallas, an eighty against the Lakers, an eighty five percent against the Pistons. I, I think and then they're 50-50 against Minnesota, and who knows who Minnesota plays, and then the Rockets and the Bucks to close the year. I still think there's a chance Oklahoma City wins out. Double overtime game last night. Portland beats Brooklyn. You began to think that the Jazz really were going to get a gift last night. D'Angelo Russell had the ball up by one with a four-second separation between game clock and shot clock with 28 seconds. And you thought that there was going to be this stunning upset. And instead, Portland, Seth Curry strips D'Angelo Russell, then makes just one of two free throws. Then they go to double overtime, and Portland wins it. But Portland gets a crushing, crushing injury last night. Uh, Paul George, Gordon Hayward, gruesome. And they lose Yusuf Nurkic for, I mean, who know, Who knows? I mean, who? when they say indefinitely, it means indefinitely. So Portland now suddenly on the cruel end of things is everyone's choice to play in the first round because they're starting Ennis Cantor at center, who is still the worst defensive center in the NBA. So this dramatically changes who Portland is. Portland plays, is three games up on the Jazz. I, they'd have to lose three, and the Jazz would have to win out. They play Chicago, which I don't. I think they'll still win. 
Atlanta. Not sure. Atlanta on the road, though. Do, um, actually, I have to check where some of these games are. I don't have them marked as where. Um, if they go east here, I mean, Portland's, Portland's well-coached. They go east, so they play at Chicago. At Atlanta, which is becoming tough for people. At Detroit, which is not going to be easy. At Minnesota, who knows. Home for one against Memphis. At Denver. Home against Denver. At the Lakers versus the Kings. Without Nurkic, with the stunning injury just experienced, without C.J. McCollum, I guess there's a chance they lose three. And the Jazz went out and the Jazz end up four. I mean, it's really what happened last night with the Thunder dropping another game. And the injury to Nurkic, this thing is upside down. I mean, the Clippers, who knows what the Clippers or the Spurs suddenly, where they finish. I mean, I've the whole time just felt that the Clippers were seven or eight. Um, and that they just would drop some games. They're at Minnesota tonight, and then they go to Milwaukee, and they come home for two easy ones, but have Houston. Who knows if they're playing? They have the Lakers. They go to the Warriors. And then they have us. Maybe not. So this is just completely upside down. After last night's games, which I do not think 538 accounts for the injury to Nurkic. It's Golden State 58, Nuggets 55, Rockets 53. The the, the importance there is that I don't think any of those teams are going to play with all the vigor they need to down the stretch because there's no race here. The Blazers are set at 51. This does not account for the injury. And the Jazz are set at 50. They have the Jazz going 6-2 and two the rest of the way. Jazz pretty easily can go 7-1 and one or 8-0, you'd hope. I mean, suddenly, after home court door had been completely shut, it probably opens up a little bit. The Clippers, the Spurs, and the Thunder are all sitting at 48. I can't see the Clippers, but these not, these projection systems, as I've told you this entire time, it's why we do our own system, undervalue the amount of wins these teams are going to get. Teams overperform this time of year. So the, the Clippers are not going 4-4 four and four the rest of the way. The Spurs are not going 5-3 and three the rest of the way. The Thunder, I have no idea. Maybe they are going to go 5-3. and three. I don't know. But everything is upside down right now. Today's show is brought to you, we'll look at last night, the dunk record and, and what it means to Quinn Snyder and what he's done, and then the bizarre scene that took place last night and kind of a revealing in some ways um, to all that, that all, all that took place last night. Uh, today's show is brought to you by the Barbecue Pit Stop. And I've told you about Kennedy. Up in Lehigh, I've, I've, I've rarely met someone with the type of passion and energy and excitement that you get when I met Lee, when I met Kennedy. The craziest thing is there's more than one Kennedy. These guys at the barbecue pit stop have just found person after person who has this insane, incredible energy and passion toward barbecue. And that is truly what makes the barbecue pit stop so incredible. In Salt Lake at 13 South and 3rd West, there's Brian, and he's another Kennedy. And... In Lehigh, there's Clinton. So, like, you don't only have to be named after a president to 
be, and I'm sure Clinton wasn't named after Clinton because we're in Utah, um, but that's a joke. And, but so Kennedy is in uh, Layton. Clinton is in Lehigh, and Brian, whose parents didn't name after president, is the store manager in Salt Lake. All of these guys bring the exact same incredible passion. They've got every smoker you could imagine, a different smoker for every person. I really got to admit, the Timberline with the Wi-Fi was pretty incredible to me. They've got a barbecue hobby shop with specialty items and specialty advice. That's what the Barbecue Pit Stop is all about. They bring it to you with these guys that have an energy level and a belief in what they're doing that is so fun to be around, and you get to experience it yourself. Check it out at the Barbecue Pit Stop. Whether it's Kennedy up in the Lehigh store, whether it's Clinton in the, excuse me, Kennedy in the Layton store, Clinton in the Lehigh store, or whether it's Brian, the non-president, at 13 South and 3rd West, it's the Barbecue Pit Stop. Check it out. It's the ultimate barbecue hobby store. You end up with incredible expertise, great selection, and advisors for barbecue for life. Today's show is also brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai at 4646 South State Street. I'm driving the Santa Cruz right now, loving it, with all of its safety speakers. It comes really close to driving itself. I mean, I know it gets mad at me all the time and tells me to put my hands back on the wheel, but the technology level that the Hyundai brings to the table is incredible. The back door will not open if there's a car coming. It has that technology that only the Hyundai has right now. Backdoor safety assist. It's just symbolic of all of the different things that Hyundai brings to the table to make sure that you have the safest car out there and that you get all of the various different features for great pricing. That's what makes Hyundai special in the marketplace. The Murdochs do it as well. They've been in Utah for 90 years. They give you the Murdoch guarantee of no regrets with car washes for life, oil changes, and price match guarantee. It's all at Murdoch Hyundai at 4646 South State Street. Check out the Kona as well, by the way. The little Kona, the fast little zippy Small SUV, single-person SUV is a big hit on the market. They're going off the shelves really fast and at great prices. So check that out. Plus, there's the Tucson, which is a little bit bigger SUV, and then the great sedans as well. It's all at Murdoch Hyundai, 4646 South State Street, also in Logan and in Linden. Rudy Gobert set the record last night for most dunks in the season. Now, it's a little misleading. Let me just clarify because it's the most dunks since we've counted dunks, right? So, um, and that's fine. Um, but the the record was by Dwight Howard previously. Um, and it, you know, we don't have what Chamberlain did in a season. And we don't, I don't think we have Shaq in his prime um, in the season. The record was set by Dwight Howard in 2007, 2008. So even if... You know, we under and Giannis has 262, but Rudy now has 275. So, so even if you just for a second decide, okay, so it's the most dunks in 15 years. I mean, that's incredible. It's a tribute in my mind, one to Rudy getting strong. Let's start with Rudy and the tribute to Rudy. It's Rudy getting stronger and bigger and improving his hands and playing with a vigor and sprinting the floor with at a passion level that most big men don't do. But to me, this is really a case of the brilliance of Quinn Snyder. 
Quinn Snyder in the offseason analyzed what was going on in the NBA, um, looked at the rule changes that were being made about freedom of movement, looked about how the Jazz got beat in the playoffs, and looked at analytics and came to the conclusion that the that the key to the whole thing is still the rim, which is true. And that he had to find a way with a team that lacks spacing to be able, offensive spacing, to be able to tax the defense and take advantage of Rudy's length. And on the opening day of training camp, the Jazz ran a bunch of drills called the high pass. And this was Quinn Snyder's off-season adaptation to the NBA and the rules and everything else. And this is a case of a head coach simply being ahead of the game. Simply seeing his own talent, but more importantly with the rule changes were with player movement, where analytics, if the three is so important, everyone's spreading out to the three, then get to the rim and take advantage of the rim and realizing he had one of the great players in the league to be able to do this. And they literally ran drills on the opening day of camp, every day of camp, for the high pass. The high pass has been talked about and talked about and pounded and pounded and pounded all season long. And this is just simply, if you need an example, it might seem simple, but the value of the dunk is where Quinn Snyder, just with his personnel, was a step ahead of the rest of the league this year and using Rudy. Frankly, Doc Rivers was there the last few years, so to say he's a step ahead, give Doc Rivers credit, with DeAndre Jordan. And now the Jazz have the eighth best shooting percentage of any team at the rim, and they take the sixth most amount of shots of any team in the rim. And that's while also taking a ton of threes. And so the Jazz have the best shot without a team that has great floor spacing or um, Donovan's great, but he's, I don't think he's quite James Harden or Giannis. Um, without having that type of guy who just absolutely bends your entire floor, they have found a way to bend the floor with Rudy Gobert. And that's a, an incredible tribute to Quinn. And if you look, the league has done a little of it this year. So last year, across the league, the the most shots at the rim last year were by the LA Clippers. Were by the LA Clippers. I think they were a little under forty percent. There's only been two teams that have been forty percent in the last six years, and Quinn set the goal to get to forty percent. And I don't think they'll do it. It's an incredible goal. Last night was ridiculous. Uh, they were at 48% for most of the night last night against Phoenix. Um, but it just became a focus. And then you couple it with the fact that the Jazz are getting on top of the rim is why they're getting all these corner threes. And so this is, I, I think this is a great, um, you know, a great record because it's a combination of Rudy's development the players buying into using Rudy, 
and simultaneously Quinn Snyder being a step ahead of the game. Last year, 32%, or 31.6% of all shots were at the rim. 31.6. This year, 33% are. So that's the impact of player movement. 1.5% more shots at the rim. The Jazz, though, while the league's gone up 1.5, the Jazz have gone from 32.2% of their shots at the rim to 36% of their shots at the rim. The Jazz are like the seventh best effective field goal percentage shooting team in the NBA. That doesn't make a lot of sense. We're not a good shooting team. Jay Crowder is pretty close to the worst open shooter and the worst high-volume catch-and-shoot guy in the league. Tim Harder, there's like three or four that are worse. Ricky Rubio is pretty close to one of the least good shooting point guards in the NBA. Donovan is on fire right now, so his efficiency is, is up. And yet... The Jazz are the sixth best effective field goal percentage team in the NBA right now. While being 16th in the league in three-point shots. Or in making threes. But they take the fifth most amount of rim shots. They take the second most amount of corner threes. And they take the ninth most amount of threes overall. It's really, and that's what that record's about. It's an incredible jump. The Lakers, by the way, are at 39.7, lead the league. Last year it was the Clippers at 38.5. That's the natural jump, right? That's the 1.4. The league is up from 30, as I said, from 31.6 to 33. The league's up 1.4. And so if you look at most teams, most teams are up 1.4. Some teams are up more. Um, Some teams are up less. Like Toronto's taking less shots at the rim this year. I'm very concerned about Toronto, by the way. I'm, I'm not buying... But Nick Nurse has changed that team at all. Uh, I have a lot of numerical indicators that say that that's a problem. But the Jazz are up 3.8 shot percentage of shots at the rim. And that's what that dunk record's about. Last night was bizarre in the arena with a lot of other things and a really good lesson on the power of players and what you do if you're a head coach. We'll touch on that uh, when we continue. Today's show is brought to you by Homie. Homie is revolutionizing the real estate marketplace. So for years, the way it has worked is that you've got a real estate agent and then they get 6%. And it doesn't matter whether or not you're getting a, whether you've put in a whole house remodel, whether your house is easy to sell or hard to sell or anything like that. Though, though that didn't matter. Homie has said, wait a sec. We're gonna, the work to sell one house versus the other is similar, so let's do this in a different manner. Let's have a simplified, flat fee. You know your expense to sell your house. $1,500 to list your house. That's it. Doesn't matter what the price of the house is. Doesn't matter... So you save a bunch of equity and the agent makes less. Homie doesn't care. And Homie's got a team of agents that works with you on the process. And as that team of agent works with you, what has happened thus far with Homie, they're selling a little faster than the market value, as well as they're selling a little higher than the market value. Find out more about my friends at Homie. Text Homie, H-O-M-I-E, to 88588. That's Homie at 88588. Five eight eight. Text homie to eight eight five eight eight.
Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. Multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app, and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30-plus health-conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple, because let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it, and if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. The bizarre part of last night was twofold that Devin Booker decided that he wanted to get 60 points and that mattered to him if he got 60. And then the bizarre part was the Jimmer Fredette sideshow. Jimmer went 1 of 10 in 14 minutes, 0 of 5 shooting, shot every time he touched the ball in late in the game. The crowd went crazy in a way that was... I think unique to Utah. I just can't imagine Damon Bailey going back to Indiana and Pacer fans going nuts. I don't, I'm not, I just, I don't even care enough to dig into why, but I just feel pretty comfortable that I, I don't think if there was a LSU, that Ben Simmons goes back and the Pelican fans go nuts. I, I think this is just unique to, the circumstance with Jimmer's amazing year and BYU and the role in this in in Utah and Jimmer's just place and I I think um, you know I just can't I can't see that, that same environment happening anywhere else and it was it's just bizarre when the home arena is reacting in that way to a player on the other team every time they touch the ball it was just strange Booker got fifty nine. The crazy part, though, is this game is Igor lets never che- has Booker check out. Booker's gassed, so Igor takes Booker out of the game with um, five twelve left, and the Jazz are up by twenty two. Booker then comes back into the game. With 2.57 left, and the Jazz up 31. Clearly, getting 60 for Booker was really important. And what's crazy is as a head coach, and I'll be honest, I'm watching it, and I'm thinking to myself, Igor, why are you letting this happen? Like, what are we doing? Why is this happening? And... I ended up talking to um, a bunch of people last night who said, you know what? If your player wants to do it as a head coach in this league, I don't think you have a choice. 
I, I think that you're, you have to let him do it. Because otherwise, the player feels like you're against him. And, you know, then the opponents and the referees and the head coach are all against you. The bigger question is that you have a player that cares about their own personal numbers to a point which they want to check into a game when they – and maybe – the viewpoint is, you know what, he's got nothing else going, so let him go for 60 and feel what 60 is. I didn't think his teammates were particularly into him getting 60. I would share that with you. Felt to me as though maybe they were not so into him getting 60. Um, well, you know. And then Jimmer was completely ignorant of the fact that he wanted to go get 60 and was bombing at every opportunity which led to just the strangest scene of this game that had nothing left. It was a 30-point game. The crowd is cheering every time Jimmer's crowding and jeering every time Jimmer shoots. Then the, the rest of the crowd is frustrated by the fact that the crowd so much of the crowd is cheering for Jimmer that every time the Jazz score, the crowd's cheering, trying to cheer even louder. And I felt like our players were a little, like, perturbed by it all as well. Just a really bizarre scene. But what was most, and, and, and just kind of the game was being made a mockery of. Um, and I just think it's an interesting one. that If Devin Booker cares that much, there's just not a lot Igor can do about it. Quinn then decides, you know what? You're not getting 60. And Quinn fouls to not let him get 60. And, you know, it was just a bizarre, bizarre scene. So, there's a lot, there was a lot going on last night. And in a strange kind of bizarre manner that made that a different game than I than you experienced in, in a in a um uh and and it obviously seemed you know super super weird um so who knows um why or what it all is about but it it certainly seemed um like an environment. the only time I've ever called a game that was stranger um was the night in which Jimmer's first returned. That that's that's truly um the most bizarre night I've ever called was Jimmer's first return. When he came in with Sacramento and there was no question that the crowd was cheering for an individual player over the team. All right, that is locked on jazz Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, MLB launched yesterday. Seven shows in the iTunes Top 200 yesterday. Feel free to grab um, Lockdown MLB. Had a fun show yesterday about most suffering fan bases of all time with with Sully. Uh, Grab that or your favorite team. And if your favorite team's not up, hopefully it will be shortly as we'll get to all 30 before we're done. It is Lockdown Jazz, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. 
Rejecting the Screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.